the just sentenced private Bradley Manning now says she is a female. He is a female and he wants to live his life as a woman named Chelsea Manning. He's going to spend the next 35 years of that life in a military prison uh, for leaking classified documents. The announcement about his gender comes just a day after that sentence was handed down. This is obviously news and an odd twist in this story. So let's go live to the Pentagon. CNN's Chris Lawrence standing by with this uh, development and trying to make sense of what it all means in this saga. Chris, what do we know? How did we figure this out? Yeah, well, basically, uh, you know, Chris, this has been hinted at for a long time. It was even introduced into evidence in court as part of his defense. Several psychologists came forward and testified that they had diagnosed Bradley Manning with gender identity disorder or gender dysphoria, basically saying that he was in the process of wanting to transition to a woman. And that wasn't something you can do in the army, especially deployed to Iraq. Now he seems to be coming all the way out and saying, I want to begin hormone therapy as soon as possible. I want everyone to refer to me as Chelsea Manning, not Bradley Manning. The problem with that is he's going to Fort Leavenworth, which has, uh, there's no provision in the military prisons to undergo sex uh, hormone therapy, much less a, a sex change operation. And so uh, he's going to have some tough sledding there, although it is possible at some point he could petition to be transferred to federal prison. And in that case, there is precedent where the federal courts have said that sex reassignment surgery is something that prisoners can get and have the state pay for it as well. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. That's an old story. It happened about 13 or so years ago. It's when a young officer named Bradley Manning leaked thousands and thousands of uh, top-secret files to WikiLeaks, which were then published online, which caused the deaths of several people. I don't know how many. I don't think you can count them all. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Bradley became Chelsea. Uh, how quaint that report. I mean, that was CNN. Uh, how quaint because uh, Bradley, poor Bradley, uh, ended up going to Leavenworth and then having a full sex change operation and becoming Chelsea. All right, that's just part of the story, and I'm going to talk more about it at the end of the show with Bruce. Uh, but the reason I wanted you to hear that is to remind you of how the uh, how strange uh, sexual identities, strange proclivities have put our nation at risk and I would argue are still putting our nation to risk, and you'll be unhappy to know that the burner is being turned up on allowing more of this perverse behavior in America's military. That's going to be the topic of our discussion today. But before we get to that, let me just tell you, you can call us, by the way. If you hear something that you don't like, you are offended, or if you agree, or you have some information you'd like for us to have, you can call 662 that's 662-821-2040, or you can write us the old-fashioned way at sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net, plus you can go now to our website, sandyrios.com, that's sandyrios.com, it's going to have some good information, it will link you to the show, and uh, hopefully that'll be a good tool for you to use. You know, we are celebrating the birth of our nation this month, and remembering the heroes who fought for our freedoms But did you know that there are Americans today that do not have the freedom of life and liberty? Every single day, unborn babies' very lives are under attack. But because of preborn, you and I can rescue them. Preborn is the largest pro-life ministry in the country. 
And by providing free ultrasounds to women in crisis, not only do they save lives, but they also reach out to offer uh, the, just the knowledge of salvation, forgiveness for these moms, and better ways of living, uh, as uh, Jesus teaches us in Scripture. If we uphold the truths of the Constitution and, above all, the truth of God, we must acknowledge that babies in their mother's wombs are also created equal and are also endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that cannot and should not be taken away. So um, if you would like to help stand with preborn, it's just, one ultrasound is just $28, and the ultrasound shows the mom what the baby looks like, and it mo- more often than not changes her mind. It's a very redemptive way of stopping abortion. If you'd like to join with Preborn and helping, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, uh, so now relax. Well, okay, get a pen and paper. Uh, this is interesting, and there are things you can actually do. So sit up straight, and let's listen to the next edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness that we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. a little blast from the recent past. Remember Sam Brinton, the totally fabulous non-binary pick the Biden White House made to manage the United States' nuclear waste storage? And it was later picked up multiple times by the cops for allegedly walking off with other people's luggage from baggage carousels? Well, I mean, wearing random clothes owned by strangers might explain some of his outfits, but now he's had to explain it to a judge. Mr. Brinton, do you still have a security clearance? Are you going to plead guilty today? Did you steal any luggage today? Who are you wearing? There, Brinton was leaving a courtroom yesterday where he's been released without bail until his next hearing. I gotta say, I loved that question, though. Who are you wearing? More like, whose clothes are you wearing? Anyway, at least it's not as easy to walk off with nuclear waste as it is with someone's luggage. Right? Right? Hope so. All right, well, that's a little fun on a very serious topic, and that's actually something that's happened since Joe Biden became president. It happened about a year ago. Sam Britton, who uses the pronouns they, them, uh, was appointed to be the... uh, the Department of Energy assistant on nuclear waste. And he was stealing women's clothing. I remember doing a story about a black uh, fashion artist from Africa who lost her luggage, and then she saw Sam Britton in pictures wearing her clothing. So it is the most bizarre story, but it's not as bizarre as uh, what we might talk about today with our next guest. And I'll just read the headline of a story that just came out last week, Queering Nuclear Weapons. How LGBTQ and inclusion strengthens security and reshapes disarmament. 
Well, uh, I've asked my good friend Mike Waller to join us this morning. Mike is a senior analyst for strategy for the Center of Security Center for Security Policy. His areas of concentration are propaganda and political warfare, psychological warfare, and subversion. Uh, he is part of the Institute of World Politics. Uh, he's a former instructor with the Naval Postgraduate School. He's an instructor, a lecture, lecturer at the John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School at Fort Bragg. I could go on and on. Mike has written for all the major outlets, uh, and he is an expert in these in what's happening in our in America's military. And that's why I asked him to join us today. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hi, Sandy. This is just the weirdest thing, uh, Mike. We've talked before uh, about how bad the American military has become, but every time I think they've sunk to the lowest low, it becomes lower. Let's just actually start talk, uh, uh, wait, talking about how in the world. What are they talking about? Queering nuclear weapons. What are they talking about? Yeah, this is the kind of thing that makes you miss Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton, who were normal in comparison. This is <laughs> this is literally, literally the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which was founded by physicists who created the atomic bomb, has come out with an article about applying queer theory to nuclear weapons deterrence and nuclear arms control. And yes. they actually have a logical basis for this. Well, I, I was reading about it. Uh, you want to explain the logical basis? Maybe you can make some no, logic I out of it. explain the logical basis. It's <laughs> insanity. Where basically, they're saying that... Um, <laughs> where do you start? All the abbreviations, I keep expanding, so there's LGBT, and then not everybody uses Q, because that's Q for queer theory. And queer theory is some thing that I was always raised to don't call people queer because it's unkind, but apparently it's okay to do it now. And but so they have this queer theory that they want to apply to nuclear deterrence. Yes, I was reading. Don't ask me I, how, but it's, it's it's in the bullet in the atomic scientists. It seems too incredible to believe. Yeah, you know. Well, okay. So I I was reading through that, Michael, and it's a it's a as often is the case with this transgender lgbtq world uh there is so much so many words and so little sense and so little common sense it's very hard to make it out so this is a long article but basically what it boils down to is that um the queer lens this is i'll just read this the queer lens prioritizes the rights and well-being of people over the abstract idea of national security and it challenges the mainstream understanding of nuclear weapons, questioning whether they truly do deter nuclear war, stabilize geopolitics, and reduce the likelihood of conventional war. Queer theory asks, who created these ideas? How are they being upheld? Whose interests do they serve? And whose experiences are being excluded? It actually goes on to conclude, actually, that they're working against nuclear weapons. That's basically what it is, Mike, because uh, they believe more in the importance of people than in the so-called defense of the country. And I think that's pretty... See, they hide it by 10 pages of other stuff, but that's what they finally say. Right. I mean, yeah, Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists is, is on the left, but it has also always recognized the necessity for nuclear deterrence with the, with the eventual nuclear disarmaments and, and getting rid of nuclear weapons. And this is the view of many of the physicists who invented the atom bomb or the hydrogen bomb. 
that they thought, what have we done? We have to, we have to eventually get rid of this. That's logical, and that's been part of our national debate since the 1950s. But applying queer theory to it, I mean, the Russians don't have queer theory uh, when they uh, have a doctrine targeting us. The Chinese communists don't. And yet, yet we are apparently putting the, the, uh, the, the doctrine of LGBTQ plus into our own nuclear deterrence theory so that we have to be inclusive of people like Sam Brinton, your shoplifting nuclear waste guy who wears um, ladies' clothes, uh, to, uh, to our own nuclear strategy. Well, now you kind of under- disarm to figure out some kind of disarmament system using queer theory. Yes, because queer people, according to what they say, are kinder, gentler. They don't want to hurt people. They have to think about people's feelings. We have to think about people's feelings when we're developing these nuclear weapons. That's basically what they're saying, and that's what queer persons bring to the conversation. But of course, Mike, when we talk about war, you're a, you're an expert in war. Uh, do generals think of people? Do they think of people's feelings when they are uh, uh, executing battles uh, and battle plans? What what are the what? no? No, you can't think of feelings. You have to think of objectives and get the objectives achieved at all costs. And the, the whole idea of having nuclear weapons is to have a system to destroy anyone who attempts to destroy us. And so we have this terrible balance of terror that has been in existence since the 1950s as a nuclear blackmail so that we won't get nuked. Because, of course, you know, Sandy, you've been pushing for missile defense since I first known you, and and shooting down enemy nuclear missiles, which would which would uh, eviscerate that whole doctrine of nuclear blackmail because no one could blackmail us if we could shoot down their missiles. You so know, for forty I... years the left has been saying we can't have a defense against nuclear missiles. We have to keep this balance of terror. Their argument being we have no choice but to disarm even unilaterally. So now those same types of people have advanced, if you can call it that. They've progressed to applying queer theory. Yes, it's but really it's so bizarre. just one wacko idea from a, from a prestigious left-wing uh, nuclear doctrine journal. The issue is that the, our Air Force Chief of Staff, who's operationally in charge of our strategic nuclear weapons arsenal, meaning the, the ICBMs and the strategic nuclear bombers, General D.Q. Brown, He's Biden's pick to be chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he buys into this kind of thing. Yes, and that that's uh, exactly where we wanted to go. Now he is the the second only what the second African American to be appointed to this uh, position. Colin Powell was the first, uh, and he was appointed. What what has it been a year or has it been last spring? It's he's having trouble getting the nomination through. We should explain that. Well, he's first of all, everyone says he's a great F-16 pilot, and that's wonderful. You know, we need great F-16 pilots, but he's a four-star general, so he no longer flies. Right? He's no longer a combat pilot. He is the most ideological, radical general officer. I mean, I, you pick any member of the Soviet general staff from old, they're more conservative than this guy. Literally, he's a radical. He believes that there should be racial quotas among our military officer corps, down to the decimal point in percentages. And and he's he buys into critical race theory. He buys into the whole cultural Marxism perspective. He buys into all this rainbow stuff that's being forced on 
on our military and our intelligence services and our schools. He buys into all of that, and and he is the most political general I've ever seen. And and now he's going to be chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff if the Senate confirms him. Let's talk about that first. His past a little bit too. Uh, I was looking back, you know, trying to understand who he is. He's. It's funny. I saw all of these clips about him, Michael, with him speaking. Uh, and a couple of the clips, he's all buttoned down in his uniform, and uh, very. It's like military speak. You know what I'm talking? About? Like people who are attorneys have attorney speak, and teachers have their education speak. Uh, but uh, military folk have their uh, their speak too. So I want to play a clip of right. him. This is kind of guarded. This isn't one of the most outrageous clips, but this gives you an idea how, and in military speak, what he's talking about. Maybe you can explain it to us. This is, uh, you can hear the nominee for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Air Force General Charles Q. Brown. Let's listen. This is clip two. Well, there's things that we've had put in place, whether it's a, um, uh, a patch, uh, coin, a motto that um, may have been okay or been accepted in the past. Uh, but over time, as you start to open the aperture and start talking about uh, uh, disparity and being more inclusive, um, it, it, you can't emulate different parts of the organization or, or the Air Force um, if we're not conscious of it. And, and this is, goes into uh, kind of the unconscious bias. And so th- from that aspect, it was an opportunity for us to take a hard look at some of these areas that, uh, you know, we really haven't uh, maybe haven't looked at in the past. And really, uh, it may have bothered somebody, but they, they felt like nothing was going to be done about it. Uh, and so in this case, it's an opportunity for us to take a look at it and actually do a hard review for ourselves and then take the appropriate action to um, you know, whether we continue uh, with the, whether the patch, the motto, the coin, or is it something that needs to be changed to be more inclusive of, of the force. And, and so that's, that's what drove this review. That sounded very honorable. What in the world is he talking about, Mike? What's he talking about, the patch, I, the coin? It, some sort of insignia for some unit and a challenge coin that would go with it. Uh, he's, but he look at he used he used code language three times in that in that segment. He used the word inclusive twice, which that is part of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is critical race theory, which is cultural Marxism. It comes right out of the of the of the uh, the uh, old Stalinists who broke with Stalin came to New York uh, just before World War II, and they set up this whole critical theory based on that. It's an import from Central Europe. And he has embraced this You could just by, the, by that little clip. So that's where he's using inclusion as code language, as, as jargon now. The other one is, uh, is uh, unconscious bias. Yeah. And that, that goes to Ibrahim Kendi, Ibrahim X. Kendi, and his, his theory that all white people are racists. But even the nice white people are still racist. They're ju- they just have an unconscious bias. But they're inherently racist and nothing can be done about it. And that's the whole reason why uh, the, uh, the uh, General Milley and his predecessor, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, had all the military read Ibrahim Kendi's critical race theory books so that they can understand the cause of white rage. So you could, this is sort of a uh, uh, an indoctrination that's been going on in the military for the past 10 or 15 years that has come to the surface now with a four-star general uh, being named chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and in that clip on something as small as a military insignia or a challenge coin, you've got a four-star general commenting on whether or not it should be changed. Now, Mike, let me just uh, let me challenge you. That didn't sound so bad. What he said, it sounded like you know, he, he sounds like a nice guy, and 
maybe use those terms, but okay, how how can you make the claim? Uh, you're alluding that uh, communism, uh, critical race theory, is communist. That he's actually in, trying to interject that. How can we extrapolate that again from that those statements? How do why do we know he's as bad as you think he is? Well, he's come out publicly and said that the um, the uh, American military officer corps has to be has you have to have more people uh, in there according to their race and not their qualifications. And you have to have a certain quota, and he would introduce a quota system where a certain percentage of officers can only be of a particular race, and no more than that, down to the decimal point, which he gave in his talk. He has been pushing LGBTQ++ on everything in the Air Force. The Air Force is probably the most woke branch of the armed forces, along with the Space Forces, which Trump created. But Trump took generals who came up under General Brown and, and they were put in to run the Space Force. So you have at least two general officers there who are militant, militant rainbow flaggers who are imposing this on the whole Space Force. So it's the whole doctrine of identity politics. Of uh, So they use nice words like diversity and equity and inclusion, which all sound great, and they sound great in a, in a clip like you just heard, you just, you just aired right now. But they have their own esoteric meanings that are known only to the people who use them. And this would be the theorists behind them. It's not to say that General Brown is an ideological Marxist, no. But he has signed on to the worldview of cultural Marxism and critical race theory by embracing and promoting the gender and identity politics that he's been doing as an Air Force general and that he promises to do as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Yeah, as General Milley did before him, as you mentioned. I mean, it's really shocking. You know, uh, Mike, I was very involved in this pushback when our military first, from my knowledge, started moving to the left and going woke. And it started, you know, in the academies. I know you know all of this. Uh, where they brought right. in teaching, they really, they really twisted and uh, changed the trajectory of patriotism and of knowledge about communism and world systems. And then they started uh, attacking chaplains, uh, not letting them be Christian or name the name of Jesus. So General Boykin and I were very involved in this. General Boykin from Family Research Council, former founder of Delta Force, and we visited Senate offices, and we had some, we made some progress. You know, at the time, I remember going to speak uh, speak with the highest, I can't remember the ranks, but people in the Air Force who were high up, and uh, they, they kind of adjusted after we challenged them. And now look at this. It's just gotten worse. I mean, I, it surprises me to have you say the Air Force is the worst. I always thought maybe the Navy might have been the worst, but no. Well, it's hard to say. I think the, 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 uh, the Army was the, I think, well, the Marines were the last to fall, and they're falling pretty hard. The Army before them, but the Air Force was, was sort of the vanguard of this. I really don't know why it was, uh, but it was, it, it, it was, when, when you take words like diversity, well, we have to be diverse. You, you take words like equity, well, it used to be equality, which meant, you know, everybody's equal under God, everybody's equal under law. But now it's equity, meaning not everybody's equal. We have to have uh, uh, desired outcomes from these policies. So, so we have mm -hmm. to put certain people at a deliberate disadvantage because of who they are. 
and you know, give others an unfair advantage because of who they are or who they are not. And so, so this is where equity has replaced equality. And then inclusion just seems nice, like let's include everybody. So, so yes. really, you want to include uh, you want to include guys like Sam Brinton who who are really mentally ill and put them in charge of our nuclear waste program. And you want to be so inclusive that you inject queer theory into our weapons of mass destruction doctrine. This is insanity. There, there are real consequences to this stuff, and I, uh, you know, I was I saw recently, maybe a year ago, uh, out in Camp Pendleton, that's the Marine base in California, a uh, picture of the Chow Line, and there was a guy going through with, uh, you know, I think he had his uniform up top, but he had a skirt and heels. Uh, high heels, uh, uh, you know, as he's going through the channel line at the Marine Base. And as far as I understand now, I remember also, Mike, this is a long time ago, they were having drag queen shows at the Pentagon. I remember seeing picture soldiers in, in high heels. This this happened under Obama. This began to happen. I think it might have started under Clinton. Yeah. I'm not sure you would know. Uh, but well, the, I, laxity, the discipline started to break down under Clinton, but even he had simply don't ask, don't tell. And don't ask, don't tell seems, you know, conservatives are defending don't ask, don't tell now. That's how far we've gone as, as a country to the left, because before it was a complete scandal even to discuss such a thing. So if we could just get back to the, quote, good old days of don't ask, don't tell, where everybody just mind their business and not rub everybody else's face in it, that sounds fine with me. But you have people like General Brown who say, no, we have to have, you know, everybody has to have a pronoun now. It, it's whatever pronoun they choose, and it can be a disciplinary issue if you deliberately oh, don't wow. use their desired wow. pronoun. Well, that's wow. not military discipline if you have a desired pronoun. It's either sir or ma'am. Yeah. So they're actually doing that. See, I didn't know that. In all the branches, yeah. they're making you assign yourself a pronoun? They've started it already. I know they have in the Army because the Pentagon Twitter account, the Department of Defense Twitter account, just posted something to mark Independence Day weekend. Oh, of a and certain also, major Rachel, some dude named Rachel, uh, um, and and how this why we serve was the hashtag. Why we serve is oh Rachel was saved from suicide because her gender identity was reaffirmed by the army. And you know, no, sorry, that's not why we serve, but it it is why queer theory people serve because they get all the medical treatment they want, all the hormone treatment they want, all the surgery treatment they want, all the psychological help treatment they want at taxpayer expense, and they're non-deployable. So this is a lifetime job some of these folks are getting. They really can't be, be run out of the service if they don't want to be because that would not be inclusive. Mike, you are an expert on warfare, and I'm assuming the history of warfare. Have you ever, ever read... Of any army, I mean, there's been a lot of decadence in the world. Uh, you know, lots of sp the Spartans, the you know, the the Romans, the the Egypt, whatever armies. Have right. you ever heard of anything like this in history? No, not in a self-destructive way. Because the Spartans, this was part of their culture and their doctrine, and they came out on top because of that. I mean, it was just a peculiar thing for them. The Vikings were similar. Many of the Viking tribes and so forth, but but not like this, where it, it's it's a you will you will destroy your own military readiness and your own ability to defeat an enemy by doing this. But what you have found in the history of warfare, Machiavelli warned about this. He, he, so do this. He said, undermine your enemy, destroy his morale, 
make him no longer believe in what he believes in, change the meanings of words so that people use words without understanding what they're meaning, and pretty soon they will believe in the new definition of the word without realizing it, and make your... Make your enemy soldiers as effeminate as possible, and make your men as effeminate as possible, and you will be able to destroy their society. Wow. <clears throat> well, um, let me just say there is there's a bright spot, if that's possible. There have to be some bright spots. Uh, there is a senator who's trying to stop this nomination of, of Air Force General Charles Q. Brown, you want to talk about that just for a second, Mike. It's Coach Tommy Tuberville, you know, the famous coach who won the Senate race in Alabama. What is he doing to try to stop this nomination? Oh, this is great because the senators think that just because a, someone has a uniform and stars on his shoulder must mean he's a great guy and we must approve his promotion with unanimity. Well, for them, it's only, it's, they call it what, a, a grade, you know, a pay grade, right, in addition to a rank. But so, so if you look at them in a different way, they're a uniform bureaucrat, and they're good administrators within their service, and they just happen to wear a uniform and have a military rank. There's no need to be in awe of them any more than there's a need to be in awe of Joe Biden because he's president of the United States. But these senators think, well, we have to approve these generals for promotion because to not do it is, is wrong. But Senator Tuberville's been great. He's been saying, you generals are promoting such messed up policies that I'm going to put a hold on the promotions of all generals and admirals until you stop pushing these crazy policies. <laughs> and he's, he's been doing this for courageous in doing this. <laughs> he's it been doing this. Yeah, he's taking a lot of heat. But he said he said he's not afraid. He said, "Look, I've been dealt with worse on the football field. You know, I'm not afraid. This is uh, we're not going to going to allow this." And that is this is very heroic on his part. And. I'm very grateful. Senator uh, Tommy Tuberville from Alabama is responsible for stopping this, at least for now. Is he going to be able to hold the line on this just just in terms of uh, uh, the rules of the Senate, do you think? Well, the rules are such that even if he's forced to relinquish his holds, another senator can pick it up. It's sort of like passing a football. Oh, that's great. So so the, the, the issue now is to get other good senators to catch that football and to, to continue those holds and to keep running these plays back and forth and back and forth. The thing is that it's traditional for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to be confirmed by acclamation by the Senate, you know, unanimous confirmations. What we need to do is to bloody up this guy, General Brown, and to say, you know, there's a sizable portion of the Senate that think that you are a political hack and that you are unfit to be the chief military officer of the United States. And so we need to get as many senators as possible to vote no to not approve General C.Q. Brown's nomination as chairman of the Joint Chiefs. That's great. And I think uh, also I just want to say shout out to pe- those of you in Alabama. We'll want to thank Tommy Tuberville for what he's doing. I mean, he is holding up the nomination specifically also over the issue of the military wanting to pay for women, military women, uh, to be flown into different states that provide abortions. They're doing everything they can to provide abortions and using tax dollars, which, of course, used to be illegal. So he's trying to stop that, too. So some good stuff is happening. And I also want to uh, give a shout-out to the uh, American Accountability Foundation. They've been following all of these terrible nominees and exposing their records. So we want to 
there are people fighting, and Mike is one of them. Mike Waller at the Center for Security Policy. Mike, anything else you want to add to all of this? Are you hopeful that there could be, what if a new administration came in? How could they turn this worm? This is a very big worm. It's very hard because what happens in the senior levels of the military is you're promoted if a senior officer wants you promoted. So if you get these uh, these uh, Obama generals, they're pulling up the people beneath them. So if you're a really good lieutenant colonel, really, I don't trust anybody above the rank of lieutenant colonel without looking at them really, really closely because you really have to do a lot of kissing to get promoted beyond that. And you go along to get along. You don't see any generals resigning in protest over this nonsense. Because they, they, they wouldn't be part of the club anymore. They wouldn't get on corporate boards anymore. They wouldn't get really, really nice defense consulting contracts for half a million dollars a year after they retire. So they're, they're all going along with this. So the, the key is for the next president, because presidents can, can, can elevate officers to whatever rank they wish. Remember when, when FDR brought Wild Bill Donovan back into the Army in World War II, he named him a general right away. He wasn't a general before. He was, he was a civilian back by that point. So presidents can do this, and this is what has to be done again. You find some really good, promising younger senior officers, you know, really sharp uh, lieutenant colonels, colonels who have actually uh, deserve it, and there are a few, a few uh, one-star general officers out there, and you put more stars on their shoulders and push them through the Senate. That's the way you can turn the military around. Yeah, so I was thinking, too, you know, bringing back a retired. A lot of people have just fled, you know, gotten out because they can't stand it. So uh, there is a pool of that. Oh, yeah. I think, of, Yeah, so, look, uh, uh, if nothing else, we are a restraining force. We have to stop this in the best way that we can uh, because I think the end is disaster if we don't. I really do. Mike Waller, you are a champion, and I love uh, what you have done with your life, and I, I'm so grateful you're my friend. I want to say, if they want to read what you have to say about various things, where should they go? They should go to securefreedom.org. Oh, that sounds familiar. That sounds like Mike. Uh, that sounds like Frank Gaffney. <laughs> okay, securefreedom.org. Okay, Mike Waller, uh, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, we appreciate all you've done to preserve It's great to the, be with you, freedom. Sandy. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thank you so much. This has been Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. Military promotion holds are now entering a fifth month, and nearly 260 military personnel are waiting, including President Biden's Joint Chiefs of Staff nominee. Now, Senator Tuberville tells me that the Department of Defense should not be using taxpayer money to fund the travel expenses for abortions for military personnel because it's against the law. I'm, I'm not changing for a voting committee or possibility that Schumer might put it on the floor, a possibility that, that uh, if it did pass, that the president wouldn't sign it. I mean, it makes no sense. So we're going to keep the holes on. Senator Tommy Tuberville tells me bottom line what the Department of Defense did by changing its abortion policy is against the law and must be changed back. Just last week, Iowa Senator Joni Ernst tried to advance an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that would have overturned the Pentagon policy. We believe that the action taken by DOD is illegal. Uh, we have protections put in place where taxpayer dollars can't be used for abortion purposes, and we feel this is stepping over the line. But it failed. The pressure continues from all sides. Last week, President Biden called Senator Tuberville's hold bizarre. Even Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said... I think holding uh, these 
military personnel who have nothing to do with policy in order to try to dictate a policy change that I personally support is not the best way to go about it. Democrats claim it's hurting the readiness of national security. Senator Tuberville disagrees. I've talked to generals and admirals. All the, all the jobs remain filled until somebody's promoted up. But uh, I hate to do this because I love the military, uh, but we have got to get some sense of reality up here. Bottom line, Senator Tuberville tells me if the DOD wants to change the policy, Democrats in Congress need to put a bill on the floor and then vote on it. He adds that names aren't going to hurt him. He says that he's coached and some of the wicked fans that they've ever had in college. And he says that this group of Democrats on Capitol Hill don't scare him. All right. I wanted you to hear that since Mike and I talked about it. Senator Tuberville deserves a lot of praise and support for what he's doing. I'm really glad to hear him speak up. He's been quiet since he got elected, and so uh, he's finding his place there, and I'm very glad for that. And by the way, American Family Association is part of the uh, fight to stop that uh, that effort to pay for abortions for female military members to go across state. Uh, so we're part of that effort to stop that, just so you know. Uh, but if you have a question or a comment, we've talked about some controversial things today. Plus, some of you may be in the military and you have something you want to share. You can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can write us, email us the old-fashioned way at sandy at afr.net. Or you can go to sandyrios.com, and it's now up and running, and it's a good way to, to listen or find out some other information. Uh, it is July, and we are celebrating the birth of our nation, but we think of uh, the promise of the founders in the Declaration of Independence, that we have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that applies to our babies, too. Um, you know, when uh, immigrants come here and they have a baby, they are, even before they're born, they, they, as soon as they are, come out of the womb, they're American citizens, they have rights. Well, certainly our babies, don't our babies have rights? They have a right, a basic one, to live. You know, I, I preborn uh, is in the business of trying to make women aware of what's actually happening, that it's not a blob of tissue, it's not insignificant to destroy that life within you. And they demonstrate that it is a real life and a real baby through these ultrasounds. They're $28 a piece. If you would like to help them, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Well, joining me next, we're going to have more discussion about Bradley Manning and some of the implications of what Mike and I talked about in the military with Bruce, my former FBI husband. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios 24-7 podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. Uh, wow, what a topic, what a topic. I mean, they would have us believe that uh, none of this is going to affect, meaning the left, uh, whoever's pushing this. I, You know, you could name names, but it really is so coordinated. I, I recognize someone else's hand, like maybe the prince of this world. Uh, but it's just, uh, they want us to believe that this is an improvement in our military. I've asked Bruce to join me for this part of our discussion. And uh, Bruce, a couple of things I want to bring to you. This is, um, when I was talking with Mike about this queering nuclear weapons, there were a couple of phrases that I wanted to pass by you. Uh, and basically, uh, 
here's what they say down in the article. And again, this is at bulletin.org. It's like an official, but it's a leftist publication on the nuclear part of our military. It says, queer theory. Queer identity is also relevant for the nuclear field because it informs theories that aim to change how officials, experts, and the public think about nuclear weapons. Queer theory is a field of study closely related to feminist theory. The queer lens prioritizes the rights and well-being of people over the abstract idea of national security. Then it gets actually even more specific. It says, Queer theory is also about rejecting binary choices and zero-sum thinking, such as the tenet that nuclear deterrence creates security and disarmament creates vulnerability. Then it goes on. It, you get you get the gist of it. You get where it's going. Um, you know, I was just thinking, Bruce, we just watched a... We love a, a history, so we just watched this special thing on Lincoln and about how he agonized. The claim was that people who want to have a strong military, strong defense, nuclear weapons, don't care about life. Uh, but I think that that's just uh, laughably false. You think about the generals of the past, I think about Lincoln, how he agonized over anyone dying in the war, and yet he authorized these conflicts and wanted his generals to be more aggressive. It's the same principle, isn't it? It is. There is a reason that the government is set up like it is, where the military is under the auspices of the civilian government. The military has a specific uh, a specific responsibility. And if you ask people that are in the military, <laughs> they'll often break it down to, our mission is to kill people and break things. It is not to be a Petri dish for social experimentation. And because the military does have such firepower, it is controlled by the civilian part of the government. So what what is happening here with all this queering or whatever you want to call it is that the civilian part of the government is creeping into the military and taking over their function. Uh, the stated goals of the nuclear program for years have been deterrence and crisis stability. It's not that's not aggressive. That's not a war footing that we're going after people. It's protection. And I feel like this queering is making the point that, oh, we're, we are an aggressive, uh, warmongering military that is just looking for the next chance to use nuclear weapons. And I couldn't find that to be further from the truth from what I see about our our in the recent year policy. Yeah, you know, I think of uh I think of Reagan, his doctrine of peace through strength. Peace through strength. You have all that weaponry, you have all those abilities and you hold it uh because then that keeps you safe because they know you're armed. I and I think, you know, you and I recently talked about the Cuban missile crisis. That's a great example of that where the Russians were aiming missiles at us from the from Cuba and we uh had this we had this standoff but because we had such nuclear capability, they did too, but nobody was sure who was going to win. They stood down. So that's, that's strength, peace through strength. Right. Weakness is never a good bargaining position. Don't make yourself weaker. You can make yourself more understanding 
but don't make yourself more weak. Uh, you know, there's an old saying, you know, you can't make friends with a rattlesnake. You can be nice to it all you want. You can try to do everything you think that will make it nicer to you. It's still going to bite you. You know, yes, and I want to go back uh, just briefly. I want to just mention Lincoln again in more detail because uh, <clears throat> I know this because I love Lincoln. I've read so many books, so so many people have said this. It must be true, how he agonized over the deaths. I mean, hundreds of thousands of young men were killed on both sides. And yet he ordered, he wanted his generals to be more aggressive. He was mad that McClellan wouldn't fight harder uh, because it made the war linger and it would eventually kill more people if they didn't just do an all-out assault, which is what Grant and Sherman ended up doing, to get the war over with in order to save the country and save more lives ultimately. It's the same principle. Anytime you back off, it creates more um, motivation for your enemy to continue. They, they sense weakness, and they, they go right to that weak point. Um, it's the same thing as when we interviewed uh, General Patton's grandson, and we talked about Patton's strategy was go, go, go. We may get some people killed by rushing ahead, but in the long run, we are going to defeat our enemy, and we are going to save lives because we're going to end this war. This queering of the military is in direct contravention to what has historically been the mission of the military. And that is, the military is not there to be um, ambassadors or uh, the State Department. That's why we have a State Department. The military is there to back up the policy of our country. And when other countries know we don't have the will or the ability to back up our, our, what we need as far as defense, they're going to come for us. Uh, the Chinese are constantly probing our defenses. They're constantly starting, uh, you know, they, they've come at us with near misses with aircraft. They've come at us with near misses with ships. That is a total probing of our military to see if we have either the ability and or the guts to stand up to them. Yeah. I want to do uh, one more thing. This is kind of a coda on Bradley Manning. This is a story that I covered a lot uh, on the radio. He was this young officer who uh, most people know that he became Chelsea Manning. He had he did have at Leavenworth. They found a way to change his entire. He had all of these surgeries. He's in prison for exposing all of these sensitive secrets. Thousands and thousands people were killed, but yet. Uh, the military under Obama found a way to let him have all of his, his sex change. He had his long blonde hair. Now he made all of these appearances, and his sentence was commuted, uh, finally commuted by Barack Obama after serving seven years. But I want to th say one thing that people probably don't know. I read this, and I know you may not ever find it again. I didn't actually try before I went on the air, uh, but I don't think you could find it. I'd be surprised. It finally came out when Bradley was still Bradley, that he was having an argument with a lover, a gay lover, uh, and that be he did this as kind of a, a revenge or an anger, an act of anger against this uh, uh, tiff he was having with his lover. Uh, and so if you think that welcoming and engaging people who have gender dysphoria or gender confusion 
uh, you know, it would be the same for people who are actually in troubled marriages too, probably. And I realize that's there are lines we cannot draw. Uh, but we are welcoming all kinds of confusion, which makes people unstable, and it has serious effects. And when you think about the other guy, Greg uh, Britton, uh, Sam Britton, being in charge of our nuclear waste, can you imagine uh, the potential for disaster? And that's why these policies just will not do. Any final thoughts, honey? We've had a uh, decades, um, uh, a decades-long discussion about nuclear weapons. Even the scientists that were creating the atomic bomb back in the 40s, Oppenheimer and Einstein, had ethical questions, moral questions about what will we do with these weapons? What are we unleashing? But you have to live in reality. The reality is that nuclear weapons are now a part of this world. We have them. Russia has them. China has them. Other countries have them. And these other countries are not going to give up their weapons. And the only way we can control their use of these weapons is to remain strong. You know, nuclear policy, I'm sure, is, is uh, multi-layered. But the bottom line is, it's pretty obvious that if you show weakness in the use uh, of atomic weapons or nuclear weapons, you are opening yourself wide open to an attack. Yeah. And uh, with that little cheery thought, I think it's true. And so it's just to let this be a warning. And you need to be aware of what's happening in your military. All right. So uh, thank you for listening today, Bruce. Thank you for joining me. I hope you've learned something. And uh, boy, we just need God, don't we? We need a transformation of hearts and minds. And we need to elect good people who actually will fight, like Tommy Tuberville and other people we've mentioned today. And we can't do that part. We can still do that part. Well, this has been Sandy Rios on this day's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.